I'm Brian Nielsen with Caldwell County Ranch in Lockhart, Texas. You're listening to the latest news in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. This is Texas Ag Today, the number one source for the latest news in Texas agriculture. The largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State covers it all. From the piney woods of East Texas to the rocky ranges of the Trans-Pecos, and from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley. Here's today's top stories. Cattle producers and beef industry representatives from all over the country are here in Orlando for the 2024 Cattle Industry Convention. For Texas High Plains ranchers who would like to help their grass grow, the effective use of cover can provide a boost. I'm James Hunt, and we'll talk about that on Texas Ag Today. Students learn more about the cotton industry at the Fort Worth Stock Show and Rodeo. I'm Tom Nicoletti, and I'll have a report from the Stock Show in the Doorways to Agriculture exhibit on Texas Ag Today. Now, here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin. Hello, Texas. Why don't you jump on in with me and buckle up? We're going to take a ride around the Lone Star State as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the nation, Texas agriculture. Be sure to hold on tight because it all starts right now. Our report today is coming to you from Orlando, Florida, the site of the 2024 Cattle Industry Convention, also known as CattleCon 24. Gene Copenhaver is a Virginia cattle producer and the policy division chair for the National Cattlemen's Beef Association. There is a lot going on at the convention here in Orlando, but Copenhaver says one of the best things about this meeting is building relationships with other cattle producers. I'm looking forward to networking. I think uh, in, when you get uh, these positions with NCBA or any other uh, commodity association, the network is is as important as some of the work other work we do. And to know people uh, in any state in the union and uh, to have the common interest in the cattle business is a is a great thing to do. I mean, we we have a very diverse industry, different sectors. Uh, we have a lot of different. Uh, uh, God-given assets that are different, and we 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 use those assets different. But uh, to learn about those other the other ways that people do do things, and uh, this networking is is great for me. But of course, one big priority this week is to set the policy direction for the organization for the coming year. Well, it's going to be uh, continued to look at uh, where we can make sure overregulation is is not there for our industry. And a lot of those policies are going to be that. Uh, we're going to continue to look at uh, the farm bill, conservation programs, uh, marketing. As you know, there's something different that comes up in the industry every week that uh, our staff deals with, the officer team deals with, and our general membership deals with. Now, Copenhaver mentioned the Farm Bill. It's a big priority for all ag organizations this year, and NCBA is no exception. The three main things we're pushing for is, number one, conservation. We want to continue to have these conservation programs. Uh, you know, the farmers are the original conservationists, and we need to remember that. Uh, risk management, uh, you know, how, how popular the LRP program has become and how value asset it is uh, for our producers. 
And the third thing is, uh, you know, in 2018 Farm Bill, we 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 uh, set up the vaccine bank, and we need to get continued funding for that for for disease preparedness in the future. He adds that the importance of cattle producers attending and getting involved in events like this can't be overstated. It's as uh, one of our past presidents always said, if uh, if you're not at the table, you might be on the menu. And but this is bigger than that. That's Gene Copenhaver. He's a Virginia cattle producer and the policy division chair for the NCBA. Keeping the ground covered can help ranchers grow more grass. James Hunt has more. Hopefully, some good rains are going to help Texas High Plains ranches grow more grass this year. However, AgriLife range specialist Tim Steffens says in many cases, grazing lands lose out on the full benefit of rainfall because of the condition of the land. If we've got something like a buffalo grass turf or we've got a lot of bare ground showing, When those raindrops hit, they just run off like water off a duck's back, and we don't get much into the ground. And then what we do get into the ground a lot of times with all that bare soil, you know, it's really hot. We have a lot of wind that gets running across there, and so we increase the evaporation rate. And so we lose what little we got in the ground. And then if we don't have plants there to use it anyhow, now we didn't grow anything either. And so in some cases, we end up inducing drought, even when the rainfall says that everything's not all that bad. Dr. Steffens says the effective use of cover can help ranchers avoid such consequences. A lot of people think, well, if I don't have a cow eat it, then it's just wasted, but it's not. The more we leave, the faster things grow back, the more water we get into the ground, the less we have evaporate out, the quicker the plant responds to the water. And so we can grow more grass by leaving more grass and we can increase carrying capacity in that way. So you're talking about cover in this situation, the cover is grass. Absolutely, either grass or litter from the old dead material that's fallen on the soil. More from Dr. Tim Steffens tomorrow. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Students are learning more about agriculture at the Fort Worth Stock Show. Tom Nicoletti was there. I am at the Fort Worth Stock Show and Rodeo, and I am joined by Randy Renoir. He is an ag educator working at the Doorways to Agriculture exhibit, which is a Texas Farm Bureau exhibit that attracts elementary school students from around the Dallas-Fort Worth area. Randy, you are the Tarrant County Fire Marshal, but you have been working at Farm Bureau's Doorways to Agriculture exhibit for quite some time. Why is it important for you to do this here at the Stock Show? Well, I think that teaching the kids where everything comes from doesn't always just come from the grocery store. It comes from the farm or it comes from the ranch. And a lot of the kids that come through here don't understand that, don't see it, and don't know it. It's kind of a treat for us to do this, to make sure that we're paying forward for the future of farming and and agriculture. They just learn a lot out here by seeing and touching and doing. One of the stops here at the exhibit is a miniature cotton gin in which you do a demonstration 
demonstration for the students. What are you trying to teach them? We show them what cotton looks like when it comes out of the field and how that it's really not usable until you separate the seed from the cotton. And we talk about the seed, how we don't throw the seed away. We use it for a lot of different other things. The cotton then, that's once it's separated, we make our clothing, a dollar bills made out of cotton. People don't know that. So we try to educate them about what's happening in the cotton industry and, and how important cotton is to us every day. That is Randy Renoir. He is an ag educator at the Doorways to uh, Agriculture exhibit at the Fort Worth Stock Show and Rodeo. I'm Tom Nicoletti for the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. We now go to the Southern Plains to visit with Eddie Griffiths in the Lubbock area. Eddie, what's happening in your part of the state right now? Right now, producers are out in the field making preparations for the upcoming season. They're getting stalks cut down, getting the land plowed, getting everything uh, pretty much ready so they can take advantage of any moisture we may get. You know, we're getting a few sprinkles here and there, but the main thing is try to get the stalks down or if they're minimal till, go out there and continue getting a cover crop put in place even though it's not spring yet we still receive those spring winds and try to keep everything tied down until we get a crop emerged in the spring and what's the cattle situation look like eddie a lot of cattle needing feed right now you know pastures are a little bit short fortunately we seem to have a pretty good supply of hay out there get those cattle hopefully to the spring when we start getting those pastures greening back up and mainly just maintenance program right now try to keep them in good body condition as we get closer to the calving season. That's Eddie Griffiths from the Lubbock area. The Texas Wildlife Association and the Texas Deer Association weigh in on chronic wasting disease containment and surveillance zones. Love their comments coming up on Texas Ag Today. And dental caries can occur in horses. Veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has more on that coming up. These stories plus a look at the markets are straight ahead on Texas Ag Today. Parenting is full of surprises. You never know what to expect. So after our son was born, I called my Texas Farm Bureau insurance agent to set up a life insurance policy in case something happened to me. Sawyer is now two. And we'll soon have a sister. There's no one else I would trust with protecting my family. Visit Texas Farm Bureau Insurance today at tfbinsurance.com for an agent you can trust with life's most important decisions. Coverage and discounts are subject to qualifications and policy terms and may vary by situation. We're the number one rated farm and ranch radio network in Texas. This is Texas Ag Today on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Dental caries occur in people and they occur in horses too. Dr. Bob Judd tells exactly what a dental carry is. A carry is defined as a progressive demineralization of the inorganic matrix of dental tissues secondary to bacterial fermentation of carbohydrates. This is similar to a cavity as a cavity is just a hole in the tooth that could be due to trauma and not infection. A cary can develop in the location of a cavity, but requires bacterial fermentation of a carbohydrate, which releases acid byproducts that demineralizes hard dental tissues, leading to destruction of the tissues. In horses, Dr. Jennifer Rawlinson from Colorado State 
indicates there are three different types of caries, including infundibular, occlusal, and peripheral. Moderate to severe untreated carious lesions can lead to dental fractures, infection of the pulp cavity, difficulty chewing, quitting, decreased appetite, and oral pain. So if your horse's teeth have been examined and floated and your horse is still painful when eating, caries could be involved. If your horse has fractured teeth, caries could be the underlying cause, and diagnosis requires careful examination and probing of the teeth by using a videoscope to determine the severity of the problem. Radiographs or x-rays of the teeth are also helpful in determining if infection is present, in which case extraction of the tooth may be required. These cavities can be restored, but you have to make sure there's no infection in the area and no fracture into the pulp cavity. Also, restoring a carry is a tedious procedure and may not be a good idea in horses that do not sedate well or still move their heads a lot with sedation. The area to be treated must be dry, all feed removed, the carry is debrided and flushed with a disinfectant, dried again, and filled with a resin composite. Again, this is a tedious procedure and should likely be performed by a board-certified veterinary dentist. I'm veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd. This is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. The Texas Wildlife Association and the Texas Deer Association both presented comments on chronic wasting disease surveillance and containment zones. Jessica Domel takes a look at those comments in today's Wildlife Report. Before the Texas Parks and Wildlife Commission voted to create several new chronic wasting disease containment and surveillance zones last week, the commission heard from more than a dozen members of the public on the issue. Several people questioned the use and the size of the zones, including Kevin Davis, the executive director of the Texas Deer Association. What would life look like if you were to remove all zones? What would that look like? What would that regulatory structure look like? Could we just remove them? What would that do? Zones are painful for landowners. They're painful for hunters. They're painful for future hunters. They're painful for hunting opportunity. My question, and it's an earnest and real question, is what do we really need them for? Because when they were adopted in 2012, we didn't have the tools we have today. We didn't have live testing. We didn't have a 100% surveillance model. We didn't have any of those tools that we have now. And zones were created to mitigate risk. One of those risks was the movement or the non-movement of live deer. And we've mitigated that now. If we do carcass disposal rules, which are not restrictive, they're saying, hey, put your carcass in the right spot, much like the clean, drain, and dry your vessel approach. We also mitigate that risk. The only thing we have left then is landowner participation and cooperation, which will exponentially increase when they're not worried about the labeling of their land. Chris Timmons from Deer Breeders Corporation said all surveillance zones do is punish the neighbors of those who have had a deer test positive for the neurological deer disease. Andrew Earle, Director of Conservation for the Texas Wildlife Association, voiced the association's strong support for the CWD containment and surveillance zones. The establishment of these zones in Kimball, Medina, Cherokee, and Coleman counties is well within the state's existing CWD management plan, which has proven measurable positive results in curbing spread of the disease. Nothing in recent months would warrant a departure from this practice. Just last year, the state took steps to update the department's 10-year-old model for zone establishment in order to reduce burdens to nearby landowners and better rely on a risk-based sampling regimen. Supported by TWA, these changes were vetted by PWD staff and multiple TPWD advisory committees. Calls to abandon this new approach in the case of these and future detections do so at the expense of this important step forward. As stated in the comments that TWA submitted earlier this week, 
we encourage TPWD to continue to seek opportunities to simplify CWD regulations. However, do not support doing so at the expense of disease management or traceability. I am just as frustrated as so many others to be standing here talking about the establishment of new CWD zones this morning. However, until circumstances change and the state has a new path forward, there's no reason to alter course. The commission asked TPWD to consider ways to meaningfully reduce zone sizes and come up with a plan for removing CWD zones after a certain milestone without a CWD detection is met. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. We'll check the markets coming up next on Texas Ag Today. National FFA Week is February 17th through the 24th, a week set aside for FFA students across the country to share how FFA impacts members every day. I'm National FFA Secretary Grant Norfleet from Missouri. What better way to show your support of FFA than to get involved in FFA Week? Whether it's in person, on the phone, or via social media, be sure to share your FFA stories during hashtag FFA Week, February 17th through the 24th. Sometimes you love them, sometimes you cuss them. Here's a look at the markets on Texas Ag Today. The cattle complex traded lower on Wednesday. Analysts say that traders were cautious as they awaited the release of the cattle inventory report. USDA released that report Wednesday afternoon. February live cattle down 67 cents to 177.35. April live cattle down a dollar and five cents to one eighty seventy. June live cattle down thirty five cents to one seventy eight eighty seven. Despite corn trading mostly lower, feeder cattle also traded lower on Wednesday. March feeder cattle down a dollar seventeen to two forty fifteen. April feeder cattle down eighty five cents to two forty six fifteen. May feeder cattle down forty two cents to two fifty one eighty. Boxed beef was higher Wednesday, choice up nine cents to two hundred and ninety-six dollars and sixteen cents. Select rose thirty-one cents to two hundred and eighty-seven dollars and thirty-six cents. Now let's take a look at those livestock auctions. We're walking the pins with Larry Marble. My guest Henry Pickett, Abilene Livestock, sells them every Tuesday. Henry, how was this last Tuesday sale? Oh, it ended up pretty well. Uh, we ended up with a total of 930 with 160 something cows. The market was pretty strong. We had, I figure it was five to eight higher on steers and five to six higher on heifers. Packer cows were two to three higher, and Packer bulls were steady. We have some really nice pairs that went back to the country, and they brought from 1800 to 2500. And we had some nice bred cows to bring 1400 to. 1900. We had a really nice set of 770 weight steers coming here, bring anywhere from two and a quarter to 230. Then we had some four weight steers, real nice blacks. They bring around three and a quarter, and some four weights right at four, bring 348. Their heifer mates were right up there at three dollars. So this market's just still on fire, and I guess all the moisture and the prospect of all this good graze out wheat's running these lighter calves pretty good. Good. So the moisture's keeping up with the wheat, and the cattle are keeping up with wheat. 
sweet, I'd imagine. Yep, just need a little sunshine now. All right, now, what do we need next week? Uh, some more cattle consignments, or are you aware of anything already? Oh, uh, we've had a few calls. It's still a little wet. We get a lot of cattle from out west, and it's a little wet still, but it looks like uh, we're going to have another good run of cattle. Not for sure, definite numbers yet. Well, tell everybody how to get a hold of you. Here at the barn, we can be reached at 325-673-7865. Our cell, my cell number is 940-733-8208. And neighbor, that's it for this edition of Walking the Pens here on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. I'm Larry Marble. Thanks for listening to us, particularly right now on Texas Ag Today. Lean hogs were mixed on Wednesday, although pork cutout values were higher and cash prices were stronger. February lean hogs up 50 cents to 76.35. April lean hogs down 7 cents to 84.82. Block cheese rose 0.25 cents Wednesday to $1.65. Barrel cheese fell a cent to $1.52. February class 3 milk was down 13 cents Wednesday to 16.10 a hundredweight. March class 3 milk down 9 cents to 16.84 a hundredweight. Cotton closed higher on Wednesday despite weaker Chinese manufacturing data. March cotton up 39 points to 85.17. May cotton up 35 points to 86.41. December cotton up 23 points to 81.50. By the way, USDA will release the export sales report on Thursday that could impact cotton trade Thursday. Corn traded mostly lower on Wednesday due to spillover weakness from the energy and financial markets Analysts say there is concern about Chinese demand. March corn up a half to 448 and a quarter. May corn down a quarter to 458 and a half. September corn down a half to 471 and a half. Wheat traded lower Wednesday on a stronger U.S. dollar, improving crop conditions and competition from Russia. Looking to hard red wheat, March hard red wheat was down eight and three quarters Wednesday to 622. May hard red wheat down eight and a half to six twenty and a quarter. July hard red wheat down eight to six fifteen and a half. March soybeans up three and a half to twelve twenty two and a quarter on Wednesday. March natural gas up two cents to two dollars and ten cents. April natural gas up a penny to two dollars and twelve cents. March crude oil down two dollars and three cents to seventy five seventy nine a barrel. April crude oil down $2.01 to $75.64 a barrel. The Dow fell 187 points Wednesday to 38,279. The S&P 500 fell 65 points to 4,860. The Nasdaq fell 276 points to 15,233. Analysts say that's due to indications from the Federal Reserve that the Fed is not in any race to cut rates. Well, that wraps up this look at the markets, and that wraps up this edition of Texas Ag Today. We hope you join us next time for the latest news in Texas agriculture. I'm Jessica Domel. I hope to see you then. Thanks for joining us for Texas Ag Today. Be sure to follow the Texas Ag Today podcast, found wherever you listen to podcasts. For more Texas farm and ranch news, check out our website at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.